Hi, Peter Walker here and welcome to today's edition of The Transition Guide. Now, joining me today in the studio is Michelle Rosenthal, who happens to be a trauma recovery specialist. Michelle, how are you? Hey, Peter, I'm great. And I am coming to you live from the beaches in South Florida. And it must be quite nice this time of year. It's gorgeous. It's gorgeous. Every day is a beach day. And then when you get to July and August, <laughs> every becomes... day is still a beach day. Yeah, <laughs> more so than ever. The time that you go. So here's a question for you. Mm-hmm. What is a what is trauma? That's such a good question. I'm so glad that you asked and that we're starting there because generally we all think, oh, trauma is some huge life altering event. We all think of the military, you know, being on the front lines of of a war, or we think of a car accident or some kind of medical trauma. But the, the fact is that the real baseline definition of trauma is this. And when I speak, at live events, you know, when we were all doing that, this was the most um, fun moment. And this is how I started everything. So we can see how it goes here. But in everyone's mind, as you're listening to this, I'm just going to ask you a simple pop quiz. And if the answer is yes, just be aware of that. And if the answer is no, be aware of that too. Either way, it's fine. And the question is, have you ever had an experience that felt less than good? Now, when I'm working with a live audience, I say everyone who has had an experience that feels less than less than good, go to the right side of the room. Everyone else go to the left side. And I'm sure, you know, everybody goes to the right side of the room because for all of you who are listening, how did you answer? Have you ever had an experience that feels less than good? Peter, have you? Do you know what? In the last two years, I've had probably more or less good than great experiences, to be honest. And that's the truth. That's for all of us. And that the baseline definition of trauma is any experience that feels less than good. When we start there, we're all trauma survivors. And that to me is the best place to begin because when we realize how ubiquitous trauma actually is, and then there are of course varying degrees of trauma, When we start from the baseline, then we all realize, oh, wait a minute, let me just rethink how trauma relates to me. I was working with an entrepreneur yesterday who last September did a huge summit that really did not go well. And he's still, he just said to me yesterday, I'm still recovering from the trauma of that failure. So we see that as entrepreneurs and business people all the time. Yeah, and I think what's really interesting... Just to cut in there, Misha, I think what's really interesting is prior to COVID hitting us, everyone would be going through trauma or people would be experiencing trauma, but because our lives were so busy, that trauma was over was overwritten with something else. So we were living with trauma. Mm-hmm. So I think that was kind of masked, a bit like having a sports injury. You may have that niggle in your knee, but because you're constantly running, you kind of just put it to one side and you just focus on what you need to focus on. But really when the whole world come to a standstill, I think we had for a first time, especially for many people, it was the first time they actually stood still. And I mean, absolutely still. And it was the first time that stuff that was always there 
started to become amplified. I think you're absolutely right. And to build on that, Peter, when you stand still and the stuff you've been trying to outrun consciously or unconsciously for decades suddenly comes up to the surface, what a lot of people have discovered in the past two years is they have no skills for coping with it. They don't know what to do with all of that discomfort that finally, when you stand still and it keeps moving, what do you do? And that's been very interesting to watch people start to learn over the past two years. Yeah, and and it's interesting. I mean, and I've spoken to a lot of people and I've experienced it myself where there's been a huge identity shift where the world that we knew was no longer available. Mm -hmm. It had been taken away from us. A lot of people... And I think to a degree I'm guilty of that where I was holding on for the world to sort of bounce back and maybe come back to some kind of normality. But the longer that we carry on, if it isn't COVID, it's now inflation. If it isn't inflation, it's supply chain issues. It's hiring of people issues. And if it isn't all of that, then it's the fear of a third world war and being totally wiped out by nuclear weapons. So if anything, we're in probably the biggest period of uncertainty that any of us have ever lived through. Or should I say most of us, obviously there's still gonna be people that have sort of survived the horrors of the First and Second World War. But the majority of people, especially those in business, would never have experienced that. So for them, all of this is now new. And even more interesting is a lot of people have just lost their confidence. Mm-hmm. That's very true, because when the world changes and you have all this uncertainty and all of this unpredictability, it takes away a lot of times what people have built their identity around their identity that they know their company's okay, or their job is stable, or their audience is always going to be there. But we've seen huge disruption in industries and world markets that have changed a lot about business in the past two years. And so the confidence that someone may have had, you know, three years ago compared to today is has massively shifted, but not for everyone. And so it becomes very interesting for the people who are really excelling and succeeding in this environment, what's different about them? And a lot of times it comes down to how they perceive themselves and how they define themselves separately from the world at large and their place in it. And and I think that becomes a very interesting place to explore. So we'll come back to that in a second, because the other thing that I found also is people that started their business during the pandemic haven't been hampered by that legacy thinking because they don't have that previous frame of reference to hold them back. I think you're right. And a lot of that has to do with the freedom of creativity. It's the, the freedom of not knowing any better, you know, and, and not, not perceiving limitations. And that also comes back to how you define yourself and how you see yourself. It, not, not only in the legacy perspective, although it is the legacy perspective, but I also think of myself as a baby entrepreneur many, many years ago. I, I launched an online business 
in an industry that was solely an in-person service industry. And it was simply because I didn't see any reason I couldn't do that. But when I disclosed to a mentor that that's what I had done, she was beside herself. You can't do that. That's not how it's done. It's not going to work. And I said to her, but it's working like phenomenally well, it's working. And, and so, you know, it's, it speaks to what you're saying. Sometimes when we're in an environment that allows us to be creative without being hampered by the legacy ideas, we can create really, ex, you know, extraordinary and exciting things. And I think we're seeing that right now from a lot of entrepreneurs who have really come into their own in today's environment. So how did the people, how did the entrepreneurs that perhaps are stuck have lost their confidence? How do we help them? Or more importantly, how did they help themselves move forward? So I, I think we have to start first, you know, we can circle back to the question that I asked before for the people who are really succeeding in today's environment, whether they're pulling forward from a legacy or starting again, or starting fresh, how are they doing it? Because for every person who's feeling a lack of confidence, you can look outside yourself and see somebody who's really thriving. And I think that's often a very important and interesting thing to do because when you see what somebody else is doing, you can start to identify the gap between you and what success could look like, and then figuring out how do I start to bridge that gap. And I think there are three ways to bridge that gap. Number one is being able to control your state. When you look at leaders who are really thriving, I'll share this with you, but it's not a great reference. Um, one of my clients right now is a, a he's in the construction business and, and he's very much struggling with his own confidence and, and feeling like he just can't find his footing. And I gave him this exercise and I said, find somebody that you really admire, that you feel is exuding confidence and, and bring it back to me next week, you know, one to three people. And he came back with three examples of the kind of leader he wants to be. And he was picking and choosing different elements from each of these three leaders. And they um, allowed him to start to develop a way to control his state. And by that, what I mean is you start emulating who it is you want to be. So when we talk about state, you know, there are four levels to who you are. So at the base level is your environment and your performance, let's call it performance. Above that is your state. It's the physiology that creates your way of being in the world. So above state is physiology and above that is breath. So when we talk about controlling your state, we're really talking about starting at the top with being able to control your breath, which controls your biological, physiological, chemical makeup in any moment, which then affects your performance. So idea number one, control your state. Be really aware of, for example, how you're breathing. And this isn't just about meditation or breathwork exercises. It's about being in the moment of distress and doing that in a way that allows you to stay clear-headed, calm and connected to your own confidence, whether you're channeling that from somebody else that you admire or you're pulling it up from within yourself. Does that make sense? Makes absolute sense. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So number one, and I have 
just for the brevity of time, I won't go into all of the different ways to control your state, but obviously, I mean, I'm reachable. If anybody has questions, feel free to shoot me an email and we'll, we can talk about that later. So number one, learn how to control your state. So even in the most distressing moment, you are the locus of calm in that moment. Number two, change your programming. A lot of us are programmed, you know, if you watch the news for five minutes, or if you're in the markets and you watch CNBC for two seconds, the wall of worry is enormous and you can start climbing it without even making a conscious decision to do so because we're all programmed between the years of zero and seven to have a stress response. Yeah. So if now you're 57, you're not thinking about your, your stress response. You're just activating it in response to stimuli. But it doesn't have to be that way. I have a client who was raised in a family where everything was fearful. Everything was a catastrophe. And now when the slightest thing happens, she just goes berserk. She doesn't even think about it. That's just her natural response is to go to the end of extreme activation. That's programming. That's habit. And that can be changed. We can change that through unconscious repatterning. We can change that through neurological reprogramming. So there are several different ways to do that. One way that's just really simple. This is just bare bones, but I invite anyone to try this. Think about the thing that's most worrying you, the thing that's most got you uncomfortable and just close your eyes and let that feeling come into you and just give it a number between zero and 10, 10 being I'm about to jump out of my skin, zero, it's gone. And just give it a number. And while you give it a number, it will create an image in your mind. And when you get that image, you know, 90% of us are very visual. So when you get that image, just take that image and just shrink it down and push it away from you. This is just a simple little neurological trick. All we're doing is changing the way your neurology is giving you information. So shrink the picture down, push it away from you, drain all the color out of it, and then, then notice where it is on the scale from zero to 10. And the more you keep doing it, shrink it down again, shrink it down again, push it farther, push it around the world. The more you change your neurology, the more you're going to change your state. So let me just pause there because that's a weird concept, but it comes from neuro-linguistic programming. And it's one of my favorite ways to just very quickly start interrupting the old habit patterns. Does that make sense so yeah, far? Exactly. Yeah. So then building on that. So first you, you need to control your state. So breathing controls physiology, controls your state, controls your performance. Second thing is interrupt your habits, interrupt the programming that unconsciously starts by changing the neurological representation of the moment that you're in through the feeling that it creates in you and then the vision that it creates. If you're not visual, which is totally fine, you can do this with sound, you can do this with the feeling, just shrink the feeling, push the sound, turn down the volume. So there are a lot of different ways to do that. The third idea is to create. So we're really in a, a sort of mm, a triangle. So it's control, change, create, and each side is equidistant. So the third side of that triangle is to create, and that is to create the, the identity you want to inhabit. We don't already have to be who we want to be. We simply have to identify 
who it is you want to be, how you want to show up and get very granular and detailed about what that person would do, not what they think, not what they feel, what they do. So that means how they sound, how they look, the actions they take. And so again, you can do that by looking outside of yourself and saying, I want to be that way, or you can look inside of yourself and say, you know what, I'm not acting in alignment with the confidence I usually feel. Okay, good. Well, when you feel that kind of confidence, what do you do? So you have to start asking yourself a very simple two word question. And it's what now? A lot of times we get stuck and we start saying why? Why did this happen? Why didn't this happen? Why is this happening to me? We, 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 we get very stuck in that kind of semantic cycle. But you can stop all that by asking yourself those better questions that are action oriented and partnering them with the identity characteristics that matter to you. So I, I, with every entrepreneur and business person that I work with, I challenge them and ask them to give me five characteristics of the leader they want to be. And when you start naming those traits, you're automatically sending a message to your neurology and your unconscious. This is the goal. This is my intention. And then to activate that, you take those traits and say, okay, well, if I was, let's just say one of the traits is, uh, is calm is confidence. How do you exhibit confidence? Because it's not enough just to think of the idea. You have to turn it into a process. So when you get those three to five traits that matter most to you as a leader, as a business person, as an entrepreneur, and then you turn those five ideas into an action, and then you start taking those actions, now you've taken yourself from inertia into action. Now you have shifted yourself from uncertainty into a certainty in who you are. So while we can't predict or control the outside world, you can most definitely start controlling, embodying, and exhibiting your inside world according to your choices. Now, a lot of people will say that's easier said than done. Do you think that perhaps a lot of pe people out there may need some help to, some help in sort of navigating this process? Mm -hmm. Well, that's definitely true. Because to me, it feels like when I was growing up, I mean, we heard the term sort of PTSD. And that was very much related to the military coming back from combat and everything. Mm -hmm. I'm just wondering how much of an increase have there, has there been over the last two to three years in PTSD cases based on the trauma that people have gone through? I, I think there's an enormous amount. First of all, I think it comes from two places. First of all, I think there are a lot of people who don't really understand what trauma or PTSD is. And so they don't self-identify and they don't ask for help. And so they don't ever realize that the way they're behaving is driven by PTSD. And I think the other part is people who have never really experienced those kind of big 
traumatic shifts that the past two years are creating are, are, are not prepared to recognize trauma and to understand how to respond to it or how to cope with it. And I think you're right. What we're talking about right here are broad concepts just to start the conversation, but actually making the changes requires more than a quick conversation like this, for sure. And I mean, as you say, this is a really big topic and we could go on forever, but for the sort of purposes of today's episode, what should people be looking for in terms of behavior to identify that they're experiencing trauma and everything is not okay? Ah, so let's talk about this in terms of diagnostic categories. And this is not to diagnose anyone, but it's a good place to start because we see with trauma, acute trauma, which is like the, th- the first 30 days after trauma occurs. And then if these symptoms continue and they disrupt a life, so the dysfunction becomes the norm, then that becomes a PTSD issue. But immediately trauma affects your ability to sleep, your mood, your appetite, your ability to feel safe. A lot of people, when they experience trauma, they become very hypervigilant, very hyper alert. And that can mean physically in your environment. We all, there was a great book many years ago. I always sit with my back to the door. It was written by a military, uh, per, a, a soldier about PTSD because one of the, the symptoms that he always had was like, he needed to always be able to see what was in front of him. So I, that's the physical side, but I think emotionally we all do that too. We tend to get very hyper alert, very hyper vigilant for when's the next bad thing coming. So when you think it's mood, it's sleep, it's eating, it's relationships. A lot of people tend to withdraw. They tend to, with, to isolate. It's the inability to connect with others. These are just a few ideas. And it's also the inability to perform at work or to manage any kind of interaction personally or professionally. So these are all the little things. If you want to put it under one big umbrella, when you notice that you are engaging with yourself, others, and the world in dysfunctional ways, ways that do not serve you or your well-being, those are all signs of trauma because trauma essentially shakes the foundation of who we are and it changes how we see ourselves, others, and the world. And hence then it interferes with how we behave in those areas. And the danger is we normalize it, think it's normal and carry on. Well, yes. And to build on that, the danger is we feel ashamed of it. And so we hide it and we don't want anyone to know. And so we normalize it and then carry on all along with a mask, hiding the truth of who we are becoming. And there are conflicts with your first statement earlier on, where the first one of the best ways to move forward is to look at what other successful people are doing right now. Because when you're not feeling that success yourself and you're not in that good state, the last thing you want to do is see what other people are doing and feel even worse for the fact that they're doing it and you're not. Well, I don't, I think that could go either way, Peter, if you don't mind my saying, because, you know, I'm a trauma survivor. So, you know, full disclosure, I struggled with PTSD for almost 30 years Mm -hmm. before I made a full recovery. And for many of those years, I hated everybody who was successful. And I mean, hate 
I hated because I felt so inept in myself. And then I got to a moment when I realized those people could inspire me. And I started reading voraciously memoirs, biographies, autobiographies of people who had gone through difficult things and overcome them to be the leaders that I was seeing them to be. And suddenly I started seeing them differently because I realized everybody has trauma. Everybody has something they've had to overcome. And when I'm seeing these leaders, they have passed through where I am and gotten to the top of the mountain. And that just allowed me to see what are they doing? That if I emulate that, I could get to the top of the mountain faster. But you had to make so that switch do to that? do that. I think you're absolutely right. But you were able to make that switch. Yes, and I think everybody's really able to make that switch if they want to. And if they're committed to finding those people that inspire them to say, I want to be that. It's not, I want to be you, because the people that inspired me, I didn't want to be them. I just wanted to be like them. And that was about their qualities, their traits, their characteristics. It wasn't about their identity or who they were. It was about what they emulated that I could say, I, I want that. So let, let me literally like, if I were to be that person all day today, how would that person speak in this situation? Yeah. And totally. If people want more information about you or want to connect with you, what's the best way to do that? Oh, plain and simple, mytraumacoach.com. And I have uh, what will pop up once you're on that site is a free audio download. It's 20 minutes to train your brain for peace and calm. And that is the beginning of being able to do all that we've talked about here, which is control your state. So I, I welcome anyone to shoot me a note through there if you have any questions following up this conversation or, or any observations, I'm always happy to connect. Oh, brilliant, Michelle, thank you so much. Now, if anything's resonated with you today, you, you wanna explore in more detail how perhaps trauma has affected you and your business and you need some help navigating that process, head over to borka.com and get in touch. If you found value in today's episode and you've enjoyed it, please like it, share it with others and subscribe so that you don't miss future episodes. Michelle, it's been a pleasure having you on the, as a guest on today's episode. There's been some great takeaways. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Peter. And, and thank you for the work that you do because I think it's so important to lead the way at this time. So thank you for sharing your genius. Thank you. And remember everyone, failing to learn is learning to fail. Please stay safe. <laughs>